Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash radio, and you can get access to over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So we are closing off our fucking little chestnut of a week here that we call GDC 14. And between all the virtual reality and all of the uh, video game toothbrushes, I think I fucking had my fill. Uh, I've also been able to finally invite on the show. I've, I've known them for quite a while and we've been able to go ahead and cover and review their games. We've got Team 2-Bit with us. Hey, this is uh, Matt Lewandowski from Team 2-Bit. I'm Jake, same last name. <laughs> yeah, we're easy to remember. We're They're brothers. related, yeah. <laughs> they have relations, so it's not like this fucking Bugs Babs uh, they, debacle. They have relations. They have re- that's where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> well, we'll just I, keep it at that. Yeah, we'll keep it at that. And then, of course, uh, we've got Rob. He's he's not new to the show, and especially being a jerk, definitely my, not my new. My introduction's not important. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, Rob has actually been able to go ahead and cover this uh, fucking cavalcade of nonsense that's been our week of GDC, and uh, I have to say that I've played a lot of fucking indie games, but uh, we'll get to that, because, you know, we want to we wanna hear what Matt and Jake's experience has been like over on the floor. Uh, you guys showed up on Wednesday? Yeah, we've been here three days now. We were exhibiting with Ouya in the Ouya booth, so we did three days of our new game, Reagan Gorbachev, and yeah, my back is sore, my throat is sore. I think every part of my body is sore at this point, but that's, that's the trials of GDC. You get kind of burnt down by the end of it. I have a bad taste in my mouth, personally, so I like to circle back to this video game toothbrush. What's that? <laughs> oh, the video game toothbrush. Yeah, yeah so, I didn't get one. Oh, yeah, you, didn't, you guys didn't hear about that? So it's called, the video, or it's called Gush? And it is oh a iOS game in, that responds with a controller that is a toothbrush. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Why, I, why the fuck didn't you tell me about this? <laughs> I just literally got the, uh, the press release for it. I'll, I'll go ahead and toss it over to you. Uh, yeah, actually, I held on to it just for you. I now that I remember that. that. Yeah. But I, there, that's the, the beauty of GDC. There's always that really weird fucking thing that you're like, okay, what was like the, the trend last year was micro uh, consoles, which you know, aside from the Ouya, there was like the Game Stick and all that. Right. This year yeah, panned out well. Yeah, this exactly. Uh, this year we've got like VR being a thing, but aside from all these trends, there's always going to be that really weird fucking thing. 
Uh, and I, I nominate that to be the this weird This year is a toothbrush. Can I play it with plaque attack on my Atari 2600? <laughs> and the, will that give me ultra crystal clear, super white, pearly what teeth? I, what I kind of <laughs> thought about doing, though, is like taking that same toothbrush and like using it if I put alcohol on the tips to like clean cartridges. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. I mean, clean, my, can... clean my NES carts. Yeah. So, they're, they're, you know, we can always do that. But apparently it's designed to motivate children into brushing their teeth. So I, I, I don't does know. It, does it use bitcoins? <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect merger. That's how they earn their allowance to brush their teeth. Teeth cleaning and bitcoins. <laughs> um, but yeah. I missed that though. I didn't see any of the the teeth cleaning stuff. I I will I will go ahead and shoot a link. And fuck it, we're show noting the the gush now. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's take a break and go down and get the gush <laughs> let, right now. Let, let's take a moment and appreciate that name. Yeah, how do they come up with that name? Gosh. I don't know. It's gush. I like it. That's actually kind of catchy. Wildly inappropriate, yeah. I think. But that's yeah, we, where my we, brain goes. We didn't see it. That's one of the downsides of exhibiting is you get stuck on the show floor in one spot for so long that when you do have time to race around and look at stuff, you have like 10 seconds to like, what's that over there? What's that over there? So the gush probably just was right underneath our radar and got yeah, missed somehow. Yeah, you make like a one-second call on whether you want to look at something yep. or not. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, well, you guys, at least, you know, you get the freedom to like just fucking like come up and do something like, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I really appreciate getting pitched at, but like I feel like you know, if, if I can offer a pro tip, like a GDC pro tip, like, you know, social tact goes a long way. Like, if somebody's oh, so talking far. to somebody else, yeah. like, don't don't jump in and fucking, like, Johnny get bad your way into the conversation. It doesn't go far. I had, uh, I was actually walking with uh, Jeff Scott, also from 148 Apps, and the gentleman from Mediocre Games. We were talking on our way to an interview, and I had someone jump in and kind of sideline me to you know talk to me briefly about their game and hand me the business card it's it's not really the best it's not the best opportunity not, not the best method like that. yeah that business card's straight in the trash <laughs> yep it's gone no um that's a whole different story but like i'll open up that chestnut on some other time but yeah like did you guys get to play anything at all like during your breaks of the exhibit i'm just curious to see like what you guys get to catch we played the duck game yeah oh, yeah yeah the duck game we played a bit of, it's quite cool. It's uh, kind of like a deathmatch uh, multiplayer single-screen game that's coming out on Ouya where, believe it or not, you play as ducks. You know, no, I got to I, I I could gather that. Running around with shotguns and <laughs> flamethrowers. and There's no, a quack button, right? There, yeah. There's quack. There's it's a pretty button cool. just for it's quacking. Cool. Uh, I think my favorite, because I got to, when I was covering games uh, over at the Ouya booth with you guys, um, I, I played that. I played Laser Nights. Um, but Duck Game was definitely pretty legit. Yeah, it, Duck Game's cool. It was. It's basically like Smash Brothers in a sense, except like you can't do anything unless you pick up an item. That's yeah. the only way. And like all the stages are fucking wildly different. Like you could be cons- like confined to this one small ass room, and then it could be a giant arena. They all right. randomize. Now hold on a second. You can still quack if you don't have an item, right? Yeah, you can still okay. quack. Okay, so you can, there's lots you can do. That's all that matters. Yeah, but they're like the items range from like fucking a wide variety of guns to like a shrink wrapping gun. I think that's my favorite. Oh, I didn't even see that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you just shoot somebody with like the the shot that you shoot them with just shrink wraps them into this tightly knit fucking bag, and it doesn't kill them either. It just lets them like suffer there until they either get killed nice. or. Like, in my case, I shot it at some dude in the air, and he just fucking, like, sunk into the ocean below me as he, like, right. trapped in this bag. 
So, like, either way, he was done. Yeah. So, so it's a troll weapon, like the Cerebral War right. from Turok 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it was fun. It's colorful as shit, very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's that's the one thing. Like, there's a huge uh, emphasis on couch play games, like, coming to the uh, Like, you guys, with yeah. your game, that's going to be a local game, and it, I, I like it. It's basically a co-op Hotline Miami-esque game, but like even without doing the co-op, you guys can... Yeah, I guess we got to give our games pitch. We're kind of deep into the podcast, and we have not <laughs> I well, thought we were just here to hang out. Oh, that's right. No, you can hang out. No, no, it's true. So so first of all, I guess going back just a step in time, we just released Fist Puncher uh, on the Ouya console. Fist Puncher originally came out last summer on Steam through Adult Swim, and we just a few weeks ago finally got the port done, brought it out on Ouya, but now we have a new game that we are showing off here at GDC. And that's Reagan Gorbachev. I'll let Jake give the... He, he has the, the pitch better memorized than me. Do I? <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to say the same Get thing about you. Out. Get your notes out. Dude, he was just like, I thought this shit was for funsies. Yeah. What the fuck is this? Yeah, we think of it like a uh, super meat line Miami. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's great. It does have the stop, uh, the top-down stealth elements of Hotline Miami, but then it also has the puzzling and the short, quick, uh, many, many death incorporated levels, and a lot of traps and stuff that you find in Super Meat Boy. So it kind of mixes those two things together, and then of course the educational angle. Yeah. Oh, obviously, we're big on that. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to make a game about Reagan and Gorbachev, yeah, you have to do a little so, bit of teaching. And I mean, it's so historically accurate. We're known for that. The samurai sword, as we've been telling everybody, if they check their history books and they remember what they were taught back in elementary school, they will find that Reagan did use a samurai sword to solve a lot of problems, and that's accurately presented in our game, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just check out the Wikipedia page. Just give me a few minutes before. Let, let me know when this podcast is going to go live. <laughs> So I can make a few adjustments. I think that's been like my favorite trend too. It's just like uh, there's been a trend of people just fucking modifying Wikipedia pages with like the most <laughs> insane facts. Well, wait, like, you're gonna see. Podcast. Wait until you see what's gonna be on the Reagan page when we're done. <laughs> I, I know that I looked up the Cincinnati Bengals on Wikipedia the day of the Super Bowl, and it said that the Cincinnati Bengals were the 2014 NFL champs. <laughs> no, I think my really yeah. they were. Uh, my favorite was uh, Richard Smith. I want to say, dude from fucking Seahawks. Uh, somebody modified his Wikipedia page that, like, he was going to be at WrestleMania. Richard gonna, Sherman. Sherman. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Richard Sherman, dude. He was going to be at WrestleMania defending, like, the uh, fucking title. I, I can actually <laughs> see that happening, though. I yeah. would be shocked to see that dude at <laughs> WrestleMania. Dude, no, he straight cut, he cut that fucking promo. That was like a <laughs> WWF promo. It like, really I could was. see him going up against John Cena, Brock Lesnar, maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so other than, like, the Ouya games, you guys, like, pretty much uh, kept it safe and... Oh, we saw a goat simulator. Oh, dude, I've been wanting goat to see goat simulator. simulator. Talk to me oh, about that. Oh, goat simulator. Yeah, we only checked it out. We watched over somebody's shoulder for a couple minutes. And what I saw was a goat attacking a dude in a tracksuit. <laughs> 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 and you were getting points for, like, headbutting him. There was yeah. uh, a goat dragging around dude, a mail truck. You essentially, you essentially <laughs> play as a goat running around, running around causing kind of chaos. You're just, like, fucking shit up as a goat. Yeah. It's, it's a really brilliant idea. And it seems to be really well executed. So we're, we're fans of that. That looked good. And obviously we went around the IGF and checked everything out. We're... We're big fans of jazz punk. Uh, those guys did a great job with that. It was nominated, but didn't win. Papers Please won the grand prize at IGN. Papers Please straight swung, like just swept that. Shit. And I think that's a great game. I was secretly kind of hoping that would win. That was one of my favorite games of this last year. But there's a lot of other great stuff in the IGF. Extra Solar is awesome. Um, 
Crypt of the Necrodancer is oh, super cool. Crypt of the Necrodancer is so goddamn good. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Uh, you know, that's you can always kind of bank on the fact that if you go to the IGF, you're going to see some cool games. Um, there's some neat stuff up in the Mega Booth. Yeah, I was say, what do we see at the Mega Booth? Because we went uh, there Ro- yesterday. Robots Love Ice Cream, this kind of cute little iOS game. <laughs> which I love both of those things. What about uh, that Chroma Squad game? That looked oh, pretty yeah, fun. Oh, yeah, I got to no. check that out. Um, what's really cool, too, like, it, like, it's one of those games that I don't think does well to really convey what makes it so cool on a show floor because mm. uh, what it is is it's a meta manager and a tactics game because the thing it's just basically a studio that's setting up like a super sentai episode so you fucking hire actors who you think will best that is brilliant <laughs> yeah you hire actors who have like different martial arts backgrounds you actually set up the stages and you pick the monsters and then there are meta objectives. Like, you have to, like, of course, win and fight the monsters, but you have to do it in certain ways. Like, fucking do five kicks nice. on, this one, <laughs> on this one attack. And then basically by doing these things, there's an audience meter. And depending on how full you keep it is basically how well you do in the level. And right. then in between episodes, like, that will also determine your budget and your money. And then you guys can go and film additional uh, episodes. And then what's cool is, like, you even... It, it's like Game Dev Story. You even fucking go to Sentai conventions. That's and, like, badass. And, like, you do a bunch of shit. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was stoking out on it, like, personally. You don't even have to be, like, a main... Like, it's a Power Rangers-inspired game for people who, right. like enjoyed it in their childhood or people that still follow that shit now yeah that was definitely good i was before we forget you know john polson from indiagames.com set up that whole section with what, what did he call it with all the games that had really unique yeah. inputs and controls experimental controls. And, and one of the coolest things that we were saying that we saw was the hundred player cannibalt adam what? adam yeah, saltzman's the kind of awesome. iconic uh side scroller infinite runner and there he had a keyboard input where each button controlled a player and you just dropped a hundred players into it <laughs> and at first you're just like mashing on buttons trying to figure out like what you're controlling like in the first few seconds like it weeds out 70% of the but the more people you get it you can get all these people crowded around mashing on buttons and we had a we had a fun time playing that for a little bit last night and to be clear it's a musical keyboard so yeah, you can also great. play it like you're playing a keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a computer keyboard. It's a musical keyboard. With 100 keys, it must have been more like an organ or something, huh? Yeah, it was at 100 player, but... Yeah, I don't I think, think it, was, it actually was. It had more like, what, 40 it was like keys? A, yeah, it was like a 4 octave oh, okay. keyboard, so I'm not sure. Oh, dude, sky's the limit, though. Um, yeah, that was badass. That was cool. <laughs> and there was some other neat stuff over in the experimental controls. I, Caterpillar Simulator? Right. And I, yeah, and I, I played the one, the Story Maker, where you kind of, it, it actually prints out your story as your, it's like a little choose-your-own-adventure book, but what's cool is you get the little physical printout. The only game that makes garbage when you play it. Yeah. yeah, that's what Jake kept. He was mocking my experience. It was one of these artsy fartsy kind of sissy games, and you were you were just behind me mocking me the whole way that I was. It was like something we'd do in grade school. But I may have been mocking something else. I might not even oh. paying attention. But but yeah, that was fun. And then of course we we ran over to the little video game the uh, history museum. Though we're actually heading there after the podcast. Yeah, which I, I had to kill time. I had to play some of my arcade faves. They don't have a huge selection, but it's got some of the classics. So I played some Frogger and some Cubert. You elbowed a couple of kids out of the way and gave them a lecture on yeah. ET. Some little, <laughs> I did. Like, give me that joystick. No, I'll show you how it's done. Some little dickwads were, you know. I just had to give, go in and give drop a little history on them. And well, they hit it coming. They did have it coming. They were right, under the age on. of twenty five. So, okay, the age of twenty five and. We'll, I just okay. I, I just get sick of kids who re, who get their news off. Oh, here I go, old man time. It's these kids. 
What I don't like is the fact that E.T. for the Atari 2600, which is not a great game, but I don't like that it often gets by, like, Yahoo News articles, like, whoa, worst game ever, E.T. If you fucking ever played an Atari 2600 and sat down with a library of games, E.T., although it was a failure financially, and many more copies of the game were made than were ever sold, and Atari took a huge hit financially because of that game, it's not the worst game ever. It's not even in the bottom 50% of games on the Atari 2600. And if you think that, go get an Atari 2600 yeah. emulator and play it. <laughs> there is some abysmal shit. E.T. is not a masterpiece, but it's a decent game on a system that has a lot of drack and crap. It's not as good as Pitfall or River Raid or Miss Pac-Man Portage. But on the you're talking about the same. No, we, we've gone down this road. It pisses me off when I see these like bullshit. <laughs> and these kids where they're like, yeah, this is the game that like ruined the video game. It's like there's a lot more factors that played into the video game crash than just E.T. Yeah. There's so many other things. There was so much drack and just miserable crap that had flooded the market and price. there was like this race to the bottom of quality PC. You had all these like Commodore 64, um, I, I, Commodore 64 being a little later, but all these like cheaper PCs that were Custard's coming. Custer's Revenge. Yeah, all, all these, you had all these other factors that were going into it. So I had to jump in and kind of be like, first I knew how to play the game. Like, you can't even play it. So I jumped in and have, having played it like when I was a kid, I was like kind of running around like playing the game the way it was meant to be. And it's like, yeah, you don't have instructions for this game and don't know what you're doing. It's confusing and a little difficult and obtuse, but... You know, one of my favorite... I'm going Atari, off again about No, ET. it's all good. One of my favorite uh, Atari 2600 games, uh, funny enough, is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Also by Howard Scott yeah. Warshaw. Exactly. Yep. And, and my like, favorite is Yars Revenge, also by Howard Scott Warshaw. Exactly. Yep. But like people like gave Raiders of the Lost Ark a lot of shit and I got same old man mode too because they didn't know how to play it. I'm like, you yeah. have to play this fucking game with if, two joysticks. Yeah, if you don't know to use two joysticks and don't on Raiders and if you don't have instructions to know what you're doing, it's a shitty game. And you yeah. can say make the same about ET. Like, yeah, if you don't know what you're doing, don't know like that you're supposed to be running around looking for pieces of the phone, jumping into these pits, using the different powers in each zone, it's a bad game. Jake's laughing. <laughs> He's trying not to like. <laughs> no, it's just because this is the third time I heard you tell the kid <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. And then after God. I was like, boy, you told that kid, then you told me again. And then <laughs> <laughs> no, I told the internet. Right, everybody. I'm on <laughs> anyway, though, I guess the point is, is it was cool that they have some of the old consoles there, and it was kind of a blast to play some old No, they've got games. some, like, dude, like, the fact that they have, like, uh, a world championship cart, and, like, I, yeah. I saw it, like, there's telltale cool. signs, but it's it's totally a valid cart. And, like, just all the little pieces of history, and, like, they they were here last year, and they did some, like, other cool stuff that they also brought. Like, they brought... Um, Shit! What's that Apple system? A pimpin? Uh, an Apple Pippin? Are you right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I completely forgot. It was the educational system, right? Was yep. it no, it was the it? Japanese console. Oh, maybe I'm it was, confusing it then. Yeah, but um, I think you're thinking of Sega Pico. That one's like oh, educational. Okay. It's the P. <laughs> yeah, fucking. So, but those dudes are the ones they kickstarted too. The video game history museum. Yeah, correct? and like they're in Oakland, and like right. the, it's a fucking great establishment. Yeah, I cool. love that they always bring uh, that exhibit alive. Right. So anyway, yeah, that was my big rant about E.T. and about <laughs> classic games, and I've become like a grumpy old curmudgeon about some of that stuff. But I think that is how, how it is with video games. You, you kind of want to defend games from your childhood and games that you have strong feelings about or care about. And I think E.T. was one of those first games that we had on the Atari 2600, and we actually had a lot of fun time as kids playing that game. And you know, it's, it's like any type of art. You get a soft spot for things, whether it's music or a movie, and you hear somebody trashing it, and you want to jump in and be like, wait a minute, you don't know about that band, or you know what, that movie is actually good because you have to contextualize it, and that kind of bullshit. Oh, yeah, no, there's...
that even at GDC. Like, it's yeah. funny because, like, uh, when you get, like, such a large collective of journalists together, like, for a whole week, like, fucking Ground Zeroes came out this week and Infamous Second Son came out this week. So, dude, just fucking hearing the different earfuls, like, like <laughs> I think what's funny is, like, everybody kind of came to the same conclusion about Ground Zeroes, which, by the way... Uh, yeah, I'm not reviewing it. Like I said, I fuck you guys. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not. It's one of those games that I don't. I can't see us reviewing. It. That's why we're streaming it, which I already talked about. Uh, Infamous Second Son's at home, waiting for me to fucking review. Uh, but I, I'm in love with Infamous, and if it like the biggest complaint is it's more Infamous, well then fuck it. They'll probably do something really cool with it, and it's in Seattle. I, I don't know. I, I, I've always enjoyed what I saw of the game, but um, the stuff that I saw here though, like there. There is a lot of, uh, I think, refinement to the tech that showed off. Like, I, I, I really, like, I'm sad that none of you guys got to check out the Oculus Rift. And, like, I, funny enough, is I was trying to get, like, the actual, like, the, the regular cast members to try it out at PAX. And they're just like, nope, fuck that. Like, it goes around <laughs> my face. And then, like, we, we've recorded about it. And then, like, I kind of got them to warm up more to the idea. But now that I've gotten an experience with DevKid, too, like, I, as soon as I was done with my appointment with them, I fucking pre-ordered the dev yeah. kit too. And like, I'm I'm in no stretch of the means like gonna be able to do anything to code for it. I'm just gonna have it available and basically contact developers and be like, if you're doing something to Oculus Rift, fucking hook me up and let me let me play it and I want to experience it because I think now it's finally been refined to a point where uh, all the shit that I complained about. Like, the, the lack of one-to-one with where your eyes go, the blurring, the, the fucking motion nonsense that they couldn't fix, all gone. It, like, I was legit. I was lawnmower man for fucking, like, <laughs> 20 minutes. And, and like, it, I think the game that really showed off, there was two that they were doing. One was kind of, it, it was a weird kind of gimmicky thing, uh, space fight, which, you know, really, I don't think really utilize the oculus to its uh potential like basically you you play as these dwarfy characters that like fucking fight within the actual living room space of where you're sitting and it like emulates something and it shows where you're sitting and you have to look around and basically chase it like your your cone of view doesn't encapsulate like the whole room so you have to turn (laughs) your body and look around so that's what they're doing to like really get out of that but like i said that I felt like that was gimmicky, like Eve Valkyrie, and like I'm not even an Eve fan. Like I try to like Eve, but like the like uh, it, it, that's a game that like it's it's very insular and it has a very rabid fan base. I think like Valkyrie does an amazing job to like get somebody hooked on to that because it's it it's fucking Star Fox in all range mode, but uh, like it's me in the cockpit. Right. Like I, there's the head tracking that's done with like the head missiles and. The moment I was moving my head to the left, to the right, with the reticle pretty lined up, like it, it, it'll actually, the visor will detect where your eyes are within it. So it lines up your line of your your line of sight, and it even does like like retina tracking, which is something they didn't have before. It was fucking insane, and like uh, it looked great, it looked crisp. I mean, they were able to get it done, and at three hundred and fifty dollars. That's insanely yeah. consumer friendly. Like that's the one thing that we're like, if it's not consumer friendly, and now like, I didn't get a chance to check out the Morpheus, and that 
Fuck, man. Like, I, I don't understand, like, exactly the politics that went about with the smaller press being able to check it out, or just fucking people for that matter. But that was, like, that was the one thing that almost turned this place into a goddamn consumer show than a trade show. Like, dude, like, it was a mob mentality the yeah. moment the floor opened up. Well, I know after t- today, we're pretty much convinced that we're getting an Oculus. Is it... Oh, no. He has that look at his no. face, so maybe we are. No. <laughs> like you say, dude, $350, I mean, there's no way you can go wrong. Like, did you guys, I just wish you played it, because, like, I hope you can trust my word of mouth. But, like, yeah, everything, all the buzz that we see in the presentations that we saw at Steam Dev Days, I'm pretty convinced that it's worth that price. Yeah, I think we were sold once we saw, what, Palmer Lucky, isn't mm-hmm. he the CEO? He gave, like, a 25-minute high-energy pitch at Dev Days to all the devs that could fit into this one conference room. And after that yeah. point, we're like, okay, we'll listen. It was like a pre-Super Bowl pep talk yeah, yeah he's <laughs> like jumping he's around. around i felt like we had to go into com- combat or something after that talk or like we were gonna go straight on straight mel gibson and braveheart yeah, yeah it was pretty oh, intense nice. but i i'm definitely in the boat of i want to i want to get a dev kit and just start fooling around with it and it, obviously we don't have a ton of time because we have another game in the pipeline that's going to be at the end of summer and we got to finish that oh, but even then like do if you can get if you can get something like this in the hands of devs and they can, like, even just mess around with it in their yeah. downtime, like, I, like I said, I really, the only thing, like, the price is right, the tech is there, like, now, like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on its boat. But you know what? Like, right. and, like, we, it's great because I think this is the first time we've recorded a post-polish radio podcast where we have four, uh, three of the four chairs are fucking pro-Ouya. So, yeah, like, I'm not anti-Ouya. Whoa, you're out of here. <laughs> Well, but you, you're not exactly a big fan yourself. You know what's funny is I almost convinced Andrew to fucking buy one at PAX Prime, and he's just like, all right, I'll get one. And it's because he couldn't find one. He's just like, nope, fuck it. But it's another it. thing where the price is right. The Ouyas were selling on sale at Target for like fifty nine ninety nine recent in the last few months. I mean, they're dirt cheap, and they're slowly starting to build up a catalog of some decent games. I mean, there's fun gameplay to be had on that little micro console. The, the issue I have with the Ouyas is just the marketplace... I still think they yeah. need a better system for that. It's oh, I, I like it. I think they've improved it. They know? they have improved. Well, like I was telling you, the dashboards about it. Yeah, the dashboard well, they overhauled and it's it's much better now than it was at launch. And there's even like, like there's user reviews that you yeah, can reference. No, it's not that. It's just like the last. That, I mean, this may have changed, but the last yeah. time I uh, the last time I tried to use the Ouya marketplace, it was that whole setup where you download the game for free, you try it out and whatever, and then it's like inside the game that you buy it. So you don't get any sort of heads up ahead of time in the marketplace how much the full game is. If you want to buy the full game, you have to so play they're through. they're planning to change that. They're no longer Good. going the free. <laughs> they fucking yeah, should the, change yeah. it. They it's, announced that the other day. I know Kelly Santiago announced it that they're eliminating the idea of because a lot of de- developers just didn't like the idea too that you had to have a demo. We were talking to a friend of ours uh, from Mateki Corporation who makes uh, Dragon Fantasy. It's a old school. Oh JRPG. yeah, Mateki. Yeah, no, we're and he was just saying you know it's like it doesn't even make sense to give out a trial for an RPG. Like, what? How are we? How does that even work? And that had been one of the big hurdles that kind of they saw in their way for getting their game out on Uya. And with that out of the way, with that gone, that idea of every game has to have a free demo. I think it's going to pull a lot more developers. Okay, because. Let me do what I want to do, and I'll put my game on Ouya. And there are trailers that you can now put within the screenshots yep. as well as okay. forums. Yeah, they they're, drop they're, a trailer right in there, user reviews. Yeah, and like it's much easier system. to use. I just feel like, yeah. you know, they put it in a little too late, but it's yeah. I, I, I've been digging it more and more. And, like, dude, some of the weird games that, like, I still have yet to talk about that I've already played on the fucking Ouya. Like, there's oh, a yeah, squirrel one. 
There's a squirrel one that plays like Valkyria Chronicles. It's called like Acorn Army. I saw that in the, in the playlist and I didn't get it. Dude, I, I saw that and thought, like what the Valkyria fuck is Chronicles. that? It's fucking great though. You know the one that we love is No Breaks Valet. I, I, don't get I love that game. It's like it's you just park cars, but like you have no brakes on the cars. So you're just like smashing shit up, and there's like chicken trucks are coming out, and like chickens are flying everywhere. I've noticed that uh, Terry Kavanaugh seems to be going nuts on yeah. Ooya too. Like yeah, oh the dude, there's a done. lot of Terry Kavanaugh, don't like look, American Dream. American Dream. American Dream was so American good. Dream. Yeah, I'm glad there's American other American Dream. Dream fans here. We got a consensus. Hook Ameri- me up yes. with that Max Hedrum stock. American <laughs> Dream. I, I did play American Dream. American Dream is it really great. It's brilliant. Yeah, totally agree. It's a great <laughs> game, and I, I really love Don't Look Back. That little side scroll. Oh yeah, Don't Look Back was really good too. It's a little depressing, but good. But it's really well done. It sets the atmosphere perfectly and. Memertic Squishem, a game that basically just gives you a, a seizure. Yeah, dude, it's fucking awful. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's brilliant that he put something out that's just like that abrasive to the user, to the, the player. But yeah, American Dream, I think, is his best game out so far on Uya. And I know he announced that VVVVV, uh, or however many fucking Vs there are, that's coming out on Uya too. I think you're right. There are eight Vs. Six or eight. I think there's eight. I thought there was eight. I think there's eight. We're going to agree with even. They're an even seven. Let's just say They're seven. Even. Let's just take it in between. <laughs> um, yeah, Kavanaugh's stuff is great, and he's been really aggressive about getting that stuff out, out on Uya. And you know, he's a big name in the indie scene, so I think that sadly there is some of that mob mentality with indie developers that they kind of wait for like somebody whose opinion they trust, you know, and that bullshit to do it. And it's good to see bigger name devs like like Kavanaugh putting their stuff out to maybe sway the opinion of other indie devs. But even then, there's, like, I don't know. I, I've been enjoying, like, uh, just the direction that GDC has been going, and there's a lot there's a lot of fucking games. I mean, between GDC yeah. play, like, just <laughs> yep. all the events, I think that this GDC, I've covered more games. I think I've covered, I've only covered three talks. I usually cover about eight talks and then, like, so six games. games. It's been just games. Like I kind of want to gauge your guys' opinion real quick, uh, only because like I know you guys really, you 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 take the direction of your game to like fucking hilarious uh, territory, but you kind of do it where you you put together this like cohesive context. It's like it's smart humor. This game's totally serious. What are you talking about? There's well, no, no, I'm not talking no about humor <laughs> and Reagan Gorbachev. Politics um, are never funny. But good point. I, I, I kind of want to ask you guys' opinion about it because, like, the big trend that uh, everybody wanted to push in the talks is that, like, and, you know, I agree with it. And it's funny because, like, uh, Lee Alexander was uh, kind of mm-hmm. mentioning her experience when she was asking, uh, you know, AAA developers. Like, as far as delivering narrative or plot, like, AAA developers keep trying to emulate the shit that, like, Hollywood does within movies. And then, like, more and more, it's just it's not working. It falls flat. Like, people don't retain that much information. They'll retain the introduction and the climax and then kind of blur out what happens in the middle because, like, there's too much going on and the interaction blurs in with it. So what they're trying to do is to alleviate that, 
they're they're trying to really emphasize characterization. And like I know you like Fist Puncher for example, like you guys fucking you have a, a karate doctor for like, you know, like you guys know a thing or two about like building memorable characters, but what do you guys think of that direction? Like if you guys were to ever like buckle down like I'm you know, I'm just curious. If you guys were to ever like just fucking do something like what do you think about just that emphasis on characterizations ultimately going to be yeah. what pushes video game narrative before even narrative will be able to get a hold right. of it? Well, there's a lot to be said there, and I'm sure Jake has some thoughts. But, it, you know, it's interesting because I just... <laughs> nope, he has not. <laughs> no, but, but, I just, but I just, I just you know, I, I just saw somebody talking about this um, in relation to some Microsoft releasing some numbers uh, about the idea of what percentage of users actually finish a video game. And it's so different than a movie where the con- like how many people actually walk out of a movie after they've played paid 10 bucks. You know, it happens, but not very frequently. We, p- we pretty much pay our 10, 11, 12 bucks and we sit through the 2 hours. And video games are different. They're not the same type of experience. We we play them episodically, we play them periodically, we might play a game and come back to it a month later. And it, as we're finding out and as we kind of all know, in many cases, we don't even finish the fucking game. So yeah, you can't I put was at much- that same talk and I saw some of the numbers. 42% of everyone who's played Portal hasn't finished it. Yeah. It's Portal. Yeah. It's like a fucking four hour <laughs> game. Yeah, so I definitely think that and there's so many different things to say here, but yeah, putting more emphasis on the both the interaction, the experience itself, letting the player kind of build their own story through gameplay. And we've, I've talked a lot with Alex Austin from Cryptic Sea about this, and he's a big advocate of that idea of let the user build a story through how the game is played. And on the flip, um, kind of rather another route of taking that is just building characters that are memorable in and of themselves and trying to build a character who the way the user interacts with that person or that player or that thing in the game. It doesn't matter if they complete the whole story or the whole game arc that they can maybe, as you say, they'll take a, a Dr. Karate and that will stick with them if they play one level with Dr. Karate or 50 levels with Dr. Karate. So I, I definitely think there's a lot that needs to change or be done differently there. But, you know, I have no problem if AAA companies want to keep making games that are basically interactive cinema. There's nothing wrong with that, but they just have to learn that not everybody's going to get to the end. And if you spend millions of dollars on your final cutscene. You have to be willing to accept that a lot of players uh, are never, ever, ever I think that's see. one thing. Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one thing, too, that, like, uh, if, if I have one critique from everything that I'm seeing is, like, and, and I've totally voiced this, and Rob, I'm pretty sure, will agree. I, I think, like, every year, prioritizing or otherwise managing video game budgets gets fucking worse and worse by like the dozen even and like it's even hitting like the indie side and I'm not going to name the game specifically but we hit GDC play uh, Rob just messing around and just like trying to oh, see anything oh that God. caught uh, <laughs> our, our eye and there was this particular game it was nothing to write home about really and mm. there were some flaws with it but you can clearly see that the promotional items and swag had a bigger budget than the production of the game itself interesting it was <laughs> fucking ridiculous this swag bag includes the following a personalized swag bag a personalized t-shirt with logo embolizing both front and back a personalized beer stein a personalized shot glass shooter style you got any more of those a- t-shirts left I'd like one. No. Yeah, no. Um, fucking buttons, poster, and trading cards. Trading cards too. Wow, there were trading, there were trading cards I found in the wow. bag. Yeah, like they got, it, they it, have it, a, it was it's like, well, how do we market this game? Well, what? How do they market shit in the eighties? Give out. <laughs> they must have like Doritos or Mountain Dew behind them or something. I don't know. I don't know how that happens, but. 
Yeah. It shows how desperate indies are, especially indies, to really get their name out there in some way. And it becomes almost like you feel like you have to bribe people yeah. to just, pay attention. In that particular instance, though, it was just so over the top. Like, there was just so yeah, much crazy. stuff there. It seemed like all they were doing was taking a loss. Like... It's desperation, the, basically. Yeah, that's they, what you're doing. There must have been a better one. Yeah, and they're like they weren't they weren't even trying to network with us per se. They were like just take this crap. Yeah, they're like play this, it, yeah. play this game and take this and remember it because it's so awesome. Like they were it was like we flashed back into the eighties. But <laughs> even then, like, I don't know. I I feel like uh just the mismanagement of like uh I would see things, and I would, I would like, uh, I understand that buying uh, space here, or just, like, I can only imagine, I'm not going to ask you guys to go into the details of financing, but you guys are fucking, you're at PAX, you're at GDC, you're at E3, you guys are fucking, you know, out there doing your thing, and I know it, it takes, you Expensive. know. Yeah, it takes quite a bit out of your pocket. So, yeah. I mean, I don't have the finer details behind it, but when you see... Like and that's just one thing. I mean, I can go on others. I th- we we just shared with you the grossest misuse of money. <laughs> yeah. But like there there are just other things that you know and and I don't I don't understand, especially like with the Ouya and like with the open platform. Like that's the thing. I think one of one thing that I will you know take aside with uh, the ID at Xbox uh, program launching and and making a headway and then. Even Nintendo WebFrame and then Unity work that Nintendo's trying to push with the gamepad. And now, like, Sony Sony execs are in PR are just stocking the floors and stocking the halls of GDC. Just, like, the moment, like, there's a lot of, you know, indie devs that are just hanging out with other dev friends. Just showing their game and what they've finished so far in the hallway. And they're just, like, all huddled around, like, you know, crisscross applesauce style. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> we gotta be politically well, correct you know, here. Th- there's an arms race, and... No one wants to miss out on a great game, and I think it's gotten to that point where people realize that great games can be made by just some dude or some lady in their basement or and on their free time on the weekends. So there is that feeling of wanting to sniff out everything and make sure that you don't miss out on the next big thing that's just some dude or some lady just sitting in the hall on their laptop coding it at GDC because <laughs> you know that that could be happening. And well, it's happening as they speak. I yeah, guarantee it. Somebody's making a masterpiece here at GDC. You're probably just like sitting, taking a break between you know talks or discussions and. The, the, the industry is wide open right now, and it, it's kind of funny because I hate to even talk about this game during this discussion, but Flappy Bird is a really good example of how wild west the industry still is, and something that was made just in what three days Flappy Bird was yeah, made. Yeah, it was made three days. I last mean, I, year I cloned March. it in a night. I sat down just when I first played the game, and at the end of the week, I sat down on a Friday night and had it cloned by 3 a.m. Just because I was curious as to how long would it take to make this game, and then it's yeah, a few hours. But um, it shows that there's still that openness that something totally out of left field can just become a, an uber hit. And the dude was making, and you know, this is, I don't know if this is actually a fact, but the number that was quoted is he was making 50 grand a day yeah, no, in advertising it, revenue off of Flappy Bird. So it's nice to know that there is still some unpredictability in the industry and it hasn't gotten to a point where nobody can, can make a hit, but it's really still at that anyone can just find the right game at the right time, throw it together, and make a ton of money and become a huge hit. It's, it's cool to know that we still have that. I'm going to throw this out there, though. If Nintendo fucking makes a Flappy Bird clone, I'll quit video games. I love that. <laughs> uh, I'll play Flappy Bird with Mario in there now. You know, I think it also does speak to the budget issue because that game didn't cost any money Not for him to make. Anything. And anything. Kind of like we're talking about the shows that we go to. I mean, we'll make a confession here. We've been to like eight shows in the last couple of years. We paid for one. 
Yeah, we've been, there's really, there's a lot of ways where you can figure out how to. Yeah, we found synergies with other yeah. companies, with, you know, well, another group. Well, that, you guys picked up on, like, Fund the Fund, and yeah. then you guys have worked with Adult Swim. Well, yeah, we, yeah adult. we've been good with partnering with other groups, and part of that is just that we worked really hard at networking and getting our name out there and finding, yeah, like, our, we're here with Uya, and they're paying for. But that's more effective here. for indies, and like George, like yeah. you're saying, it's not about throwing money at the problem. It's not about, like, I want my game to be seen, so how much money do I have to spend for that? Yeah. It's about yeah. finding like minds or people that might have overlapping audiences and saying, you know, what can we do to help you, and what can you do to help us? Let's work together, and mm-hmm. I hate to use that word synergy, but that's what it is. It's not about, hey, we're going to put down $10,000 for a booth. Let's find somebody who needs a couple extra personalities in their booth and let's, you know, help right. them staff the booth. Let's help them put the booth together in exchange for that spot to show your game. Yeah, it's been it's been a pretty good cycle because the trend that I'm seeing in like I haven't seen this at a GDC in a while. It's usually been a mismatch. And I know that me and Rob are just talking about like social tact. So I know it's an arms race, but for the most part, other than these isolated mm-hmm. incidents, like the cycle of PR seeks dev, and instead of dev seeking PR. PR seeks dev because dev seeks, like, attendee to fucking notice their game. All it takes is, like, it's, you know, and, like, and I want to say this in the nicest way. It's Uh-oh. really, it's a really way. It's just, like, uh, it was something mm-hmm. that I actually seen in some form of media in regards to, like, uh, how a homeless person just stood there uh, basically waiting to be given change as yeah. opposed to asking for handouts because that person took interest in it on their own accord. So... You know, you, if you if you show off the product and even like it takes five seconds for anybody to make an impression. Yeah. So you see it, somebody somebody will find interest in it, and then from there, like a hive mind will slowly build if you right. spread it. And like GDC is the perfect environment for that. Like, fucking like like I said, I've walked past so many games. I've I have taken the cards myself, and like I'm not going to publish or give you money to like release it. But fuck, I would love to like talk about it and help spread that message. I mean, we all have a role here, so it's just nice that everybody's like. For the most part, playing privy to their role. It's just the only thing that's like been bugging me is just that like I feel like a lot more every day, like uh, or not every day, every year the GDC happens, the, there's bigger focus on shit that shouldn't have focus, like parties and bragging uh, about invites. That does seem like more and more, and, and that partly could be because I'm you know in my mid 30s and I have less and less interest to party. Like I was 22 years old, but. Yeah, there seems to be more and more focus on going to the wild parties. And that's great, but I don't know that that's necessarily sustainable, especially for a lot of indie developers. Like, yeah, okay, you might be able to survive in the indie, in the industry for a couple of years just, like, partying and goofing off. But I think Jake and I have gotten to the point where we really take it like a serious business. And I hate to be, you know, no fun in games, but the way I look at it is, yeah, if there's a party and I can't, network and do business and talk business at it i'm gonna go home and rest or develop instead i mean it's a a tough industry to survive in and if you come to a show like gdc you should be trying to milk it for business almost every second that you can and developing relationships and finding like you say jake like-minded people who are doing the same kind of things as you as opposed to just seeing if you can get shit face drunk (laughs) <laughs> Which I, you know, I'm cool with like getting shit face drunk here and there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Cool quote. That's a great quote. Put that on your business card. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with getting shit face drunk. Yeah, but like it's just you know, like I make a joke that like oh GDC fucking it's kind of like Burning Man, but like I fucking yeah. make a joke, but like it's it's turning into that. I'm like fuck, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. It's a, that's an ironic joke. And but, but you're right, and it's almost like you say it becomes this like 
getting access to all these parties becomes like the most important thing. It's like as a opposed, fucking popularity contest. As opposed to showing and talking about your games on the show floor. Or going just, to the just talks talking and, about what you're doing at GDC. Yeah, it is weird. And even from just like the journalism standpoint of things, I was telling George this last night, it's like, it, I don't understand how so many of these correspondents, if you want to call them that, who are here have the time to go to these meetings, go to these presentations, write up what they need to, get it published, and go to all these parties. Like, the, yeah. the, the parties don't seem oh, to serve a point. We, we, yeah. I've made the time. I just, I chose, I chose, <laughs> like, hard. fucking, I chose three. Three, I'm just, because, like, you know, I'll, I'll work and no play, but, like, I'm doing less play because not, the play is starting to affect the work. I'm not yeah. saying there's anything inherently wrong with, like, going to one or two of the parties. I've gone to a couple myself this week, which, you know, the, that board game night on Tuesday was fantastic. Yeah. Which is great. But the, uh, just the fact that so many of these people are talking about going to this party and this yeah. party and this party, it's like, I, I don't understand yeah, like, how they can manage Dude, that. like, everybody just taking, like, you know, there are certain elements, like, for example, I think, like, it really warmed my heart, like, uh... You know, the GDC gets to bring together moments like EGM reuniting after 20 years. Like oh, the yeah, original absolutely. stuff. Like that, that's fucking cool. But then when I see like somebody else that barely maintains a blog, like, hold on, let me take a selfie and just fucking yeah. like brag about how like they got drunk at some hotel party that they didn't even know they could get access yeah. to. And like, it, it's just, it's whatever, man. Yeah, I guess it sounds like we're all in agreement that the, the parties are cool <laughs> the and parties awesome, but they shouldn't be the focus. Yeah, they, yeah, they no, need to be downplayed know? next year. And it's, like, it's like the rest of the show should be the po- focus and the party's kind of the secondary thing. And it's thing. weird and because it's I think changing. publishers are like, are looking at that like a, a way of, you know, promotion. And like, yeah. it's sad because it's kind of working, but like, yeah. in the not in the right way. I agree. It's. I, I had a couple of get-togethers that weren't even parties. It was just, you know, hey, let's, you know, I like those. Like Lost Levels. You you know, Lost Levels is fucking great. Uh, Go to dinner or something. Lost Levels (laughs) is basically like a a shanty a conference that yeah, happened the conference at the within the conference right? yeah Kinda. And, and it was great because like Jen Frank was there and like uncomfortable in a banana suit they had their own <laughs> fucking panels like talking uh, about a variety of different uh, you know topics that they couldn't really get in the GDC and yet they still got to go off of the crowd and still got to like do other things it, it's kind of weird that like they they got an indie conference into a conference that's friendly to the indie scene. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. like they, they straight got, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt to fucking give the kick and just did, like, some Inception shit there, but it was great. Um, I guess maybe it just boils down to there is a ton of shit that goes on at GDC, and it's hard to keep tabs on everything, and it's hard to stay in control of everything. It kind of just grows organically, and there's no way to just say, like, we want the show to be this. Let's keep it this. It's just going to turn into whatever it turns into based on the type of people that go there, and we all just have to deal with it, I guess. Yeah, but Sadly. hey, and here, but fuck it, like here, dude, it's it's been a pretty good one, and like like yeah. I said, this one the most I've been with games personally. Um, I've written about a lot, but just to drop this real quick, if you guys have any like any interest in it at all, which you should, because it's really good, Crypt of the Necro Dancer, like yeah. get that fucking <laughs> dance pad out of your closet. And like play a rogue like the means in which you've never thought you'd play it before. It, I, you know, it's it, it's so goddamn good. Wait and until we hook up the dance pad to Reagan Gorbachev. That's gonna be the real the Reagan Gorbachev dance off game that we're gonna make. Um, but I want the Oculus. I'd be down to that, man. Anyway. I'd, as as long as long as we can throw in a power glove too. Um, <laughs> 
Rob Rob's been so negative in this podcast. What, and really, what? Did, what? <laughs> I think I think it's what that we're, we're all at the end of GDC and we all have I've that been, kind of jaded, like we're tired. I've been, yeah. I've been agreeing with everybody else. How am I? We all just want to like get some do food it. and rest. But yeah, I'm just fucking with you. I'm just messing with you. How can I agree in a negative? I want I want to I want to dude easily. I want to segue into what you you played real quick or what impressed you at the show. Oh, as Lord. long as it's not the you're gush, gonna, you're really gonna no. You're really gonna make me remember stuff now. <laughs> On Friday, Goat Simulator. You, and dude, the gush. you went. Goat Simulator is what team uh, two bit. Uh, I unfortunately didn't get to try Goat Simulator. It was it was all pushed away in a corner, so it was kind of hard to find. Oh, uh, dude, you know what? The standout ones for me. Um, I, I've been so busy with meetings and stuff. I yeah. only really got onto the show floor once yesterday. But uh, there were two big standouts for me. One was um, Burden, which is yeah. this funky uh, tower defense game that takes place on the back of like this colossus as it's walking through mm. the countryside. And then there was, uh, I think the name was Space Run. And it's basically like, if anyone's familiar with the Galaxy Trucker board game, it's kind of like that, only real time with like placing your... Uh, defenses and boosters and stuff and trying to make it to the end of each level and not get destroyed which seemed very very awesome uh, unfortunately none of those are mobile so I couldn't actually write about them <laughs> but, yeah we didn't uh, talk it. like I don't care if it was a new tire electronics game like, cool. as long as you played something new yeah no they're they're very they're both very interesting to me yeah I'm sad that I didn't get the chance to check out goat simulator but like I, you guys are not the first to like tell me like that it was a yes. surprise hit. Everybody's been buzzing about it before GDC though, and then yeah. like leaving it. I don't know the Oculus Rift. Like, like I said, I I didn't come here with the intention of like fucking dropping three hundred and fifty dollars yeah. and like for something that I wouldn't even get in July. So it was that good and it was that impressive. And you know, I I sincerely think that considering Sony, and that's a sadness, I, like, I, I can't really say anything objectively or critique it because I didn't get the chance to check out the Morpheus, but what the Morpheus is claiming that it can do and what I've seen what the Oculus can do and what I know it can do as far as the specs given is I, I feel like the Oculus has got a, a way bigger like leg up in, in mm. several... It's got an advantage. It's just it doesn't have the fucking the brand power of Sony. And plus, you know, the Oculus works... In, in the PC realm, like, fucking Sony's got a console market that they've already done an amazing job, like, infiltrating yeah. with, like, all the units of 4 is sold. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see. There's definitely VR is going to bring huge, huge changes. I that. just, I want, like, <laughs> real VR. I don't want lawnmower man shit. I know, man. yep. yep. VR and 3D printers. We could change our lives. I just love how everything's cycling back to the 90s, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, we, we just kind of jumped the gun in the 90s where it's like, check yeah. out this VR. Uh, I just kind of have a headache and everything's just a bunch of blocks spinning around. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of thought it was right there in the 90s and we had to take a few steps back and wait a couple of decades. It kind of worked out, really though, dude. Like, remember the net like i don't remember name uh i don't want to say Sandra bullock yeah remember the net and like yeah. the internet's like the net now it's almost uh, like it's worse than the net practically and i was never near that can we all just like though if, if i can leave gdc with one message though and somebody who's listening to this podcast if they can find out for me we need to check on the status of john romero He's just like, <laughs> that dude has been here this entire time just attached to a line of computers having people play do, uh, like Doom Deathmatch with him. 
And, like, I, I have no idea on the status of his well-being, but, like, that dude's just been there. And, like, oh, like I just feel bad that I didn't get the chance to oblige him a game of fucking Doom, but, like, wow. Mm. Like, that poor guy. That's off to him. <laughs> That's off to him. All right. And, you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, you can check out PressPodgeRadio.com for all the fucking bits that we've dropped. Um, We're going to have videos also hit soon, trailers, and then a traditional podcast that will be a segue and bridge in between because it took me a while to realize fucking PAX East is two weeks away. I'm not ready for it. But, yeah, but fuck it. We're doing it. Um, So you'll see us there, and then we'll have plenty to talk about there. Uh, until then, thank you guys again for coming on the show. Appreciate it, and I know you guys had a lot going on, but the fact you guys came on really meant a lot. Yeah, thanks for having us, and you know, be on the lookout for Reagan Gorbachev, and then after that, we'll be porting uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred ET to the Oculus Rift. I, dude, I would love that. I, I, I I'll be remaking it. I'm just glad there isn't like falling in those pits. <laughs> in Oculus, you'll personally show up to young kids' doors and just elbow them out of the way. Make them play them. it. Sorry, son. Try this. It's a new way of doing a tutorial. Oh, <laughs> man. Cool. That's well, thanks great... for having us. We appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got to do one of these. Like I say, we've been talking about it for ages. You guys are more than welcome to come back on, man. Always more than welcome. You, you didn't get a chance to say goodbye, so I'm like aiming the mic towards you. <laughs> I don't call y'all. I don't say goodbyes. Whoa. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a perfect uh, kind of nightcap for GDC, actually. It's a perfect way to kind of relax oh, wow. at the end of it and just kind of talk about what we experienced. It was fun. You know, though, when you said I don't say goodbyes, I totally imagined Bo Bixby, like, walking on the side of the road. Like, <laughs> 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 the whole music, yep. <laughs> In fact, fuck it. So, until then, thank you guys again for coming on. Rob, I get to hung out with this, I hung out with this goofy bastard all week, and it's been great. <laughs> I like how I'm the goofy one. Well, <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> True. Um, I, what was it? What was, what was the common um, description I got? Uh, Jeff Goldblum meets Q-Tip. <laughs> I, I'll take I it. think it was something like that, yeah. Yeah, actually. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, thanks again for that. Uh, until then, hey, everybody, uh, fucking be, be nice to your indies. <laughs> <laughs>